I'm your host, Madeline, and welcome to The Courageous Podcast, where you will hear inspirational stories of everyday people who will share how they found strength, hope, and faith in the midst of adversity. Let's get ready to be inspired. Today, I have Wendy Annalou, who is a single mom of a 12-year-old son. She's an administrative assistant at Anne and Robert Laurie's Children's Hospital in Chicago, Illinois. She recently became a licensed foster parent and believes her life's calling is to help broken children and parents on the journey through the foster system. She wants to be able to shine the love of God and give hope to those families that are hopeless. She says Jesus already came and suffered for us. We only need to believe in him wholeheartedly. I want to welcome you, welcome you to the Courageous Podcast today. Thank you, Madeline. Thank you for having me. I am looking forward to helping anyone willing to listen through my testimony. Well, I know that you will definitely encourage and inspire people with your story. And so, you know, when we first spoke, we spoke for quite some time and you truly had a difficult upbringing. At age nine, you experienced severe trauma. At 17, you survived a major accident, which is pretty powerful in itself. And then you became a mom at 20 years old and were left to raise your little boy on your own. And then probably one of the hardest things was losing your dad. And all of this by the age of 25, which is quite a bit to handle. And then eventually down the road, you kind of suffered a final blow that pushed you over the edge and you kind of spiraled out of control. So today I want you to share that courageous story, what you went through and what you did to overcome. You know, I went through a lot starting from a young age and by the age of 25, I was out of control. I was partying very hard. I was just trying to fill voids. I wanted to be loved. I wanted to be accepted. And I didn't want to feel low because that's truly how I felt at all times. So at that time, I had broken up with the love of my life, my son's father, and it was devastating. The worst part was that he didn't choose to be a part in his son's life. He completely gave up his parental rights. And now my son was fatherless, something I never wanted to go through because they always tell you, you know, don't get pregnant, don't get pregnant. I confided in this man and, and sure enough, he left me. It was one of my biggest fears. I was comforted because I still had my father and my father supported me and loved my son and and my son called him Papa. And then Mm. soon enough, I lost my father too, unexpectedly. He was diagnosed with diabetes in February 2012 and he had a stroke, two heart attacks and a leg amputation later. His funeral was in May. At that funeral, I realized I lost everything. I truly did lose everything. I lost connection with my family, my sisters, my mom. I couldn't speak to them really. It was constant issues. I was raised with my mom's side of the family, which I always say the Mexican side. And because my son's father left me, there was a lot of problems there too. Mm -hmm. So I really didn't have anybody to lean on. And then at the funeral, I got reacquainted with my dad's side of the family, which I call the Guatemalan side, as you can say. (laughs) 
I was super excited because I felt like, again, I had a family. I was accepted. They were definitely a little bit more party goers, which at that time, that was my main thing. I, I love to party. So I didn't feel judged at all. I felt accepted. I felt protected. I'm not alone. But again, I was filling up voids with the wrong thing. I was just trying to fill up all these holes in my heart. You know, it's natural to want to seek your family or just seek people that accept you and support you because you feel like those are the people that are going to have your back. They're going to support you. They're going to love you. And it's devastating when we set ourselves up in our mind, right? To think like, hey, these people are here for me. They're going to support me. And then when they let us down, it's like, whoa. And so tell me about that one night where you hit rock bottom. Well, you know, as usual, every weekend I would go out partying. I would get very drunk. And there was this one night I ran into my cousin's boyfriend, which my cousins, they were older cousins. They were not my age. They're maybe, I don't know, 10, 15 years older. So I always thought since I was growing up that they were my aunts or something. So I would always say my cousin's boyfriend was my uncle. and, And I would tell everybody, come meet my uncle. And we would all drink and it was a party, right? But at that one night, I was actually confiding in him. I was talking to him about the difficulty of losing my dad and not having a father figure for my son. And at that time, my son was just very active and people didn't quite understand him. So people were like, oh, he's problematic. Everybody kept telling me, you know, your son needs a father. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, no, I felt hopeless, I guess, because you can't force situations. You can't make a father out of nothing. Exactly. And I felt almost desperate because I was alone. Mm -hmm. I was so alone. And I was crying to him and I was crying really hard. Then we're supposed to go to the next place because this place was closing. And all I remember was still crying in his car. And then I guess I passed out crying, literally. Like I just cried myself to sleep in his car. When I woke up, he was on top of me and I realized I was being raped. I was in shock. I was paralyzed. I couldn't move. I had no strength to fight. Why didn't I do anything? Look for my phone, call the police or just put up a good fight. I couldn't move, Madeline. I couldn't Mm. move. I couldn't believe This was happening to me. The church girl, the one that was always hard to get. I didn't mess with the guys at the club. I never slept around. It was too much for me to process. And I actually pissed out again. I knocked right back out. I don't know if that was something my body just did, but I knocked right back out. I woke up the next morning and I looked around, not sure where I was or where he was because it was coming back to me. And then I saw him sleeping on the couch. I told him to take me to my car. I felt so dirty and so disgusted I wanted to get out. I stayed quiet in his car, still not sure how to react. I really didn't know what to do at that moment. I was embarrassed. My cousin was older. You know, I consider her like kind of my aunt. I respected her. At the same time, I didn't want to do anything to hurt her. And I also didn't want her to get mad at me. Um, Unfortunately, she had been in this toxic relationship with this boyfriend. So they've been on and off for many years. What made me think she would believe me? And again, I didn't want to piss her off. I didn't want to put a target on my bag. Mm-hmm. So I told him no one can know. He dropped me off at my car and I drove home in shock the whole ride. I was in shock. Like I didn't even cry, Madeline. Mm-hmm. I didn't even cry on my ride home. I was just like, did this really happen to me? Wow. 
I felt disgusted. I could just imagine. I hear you saying it. It's just like in slow motion. And when I originally read your notes, I was like paralyzed and I was just reading some of these details. And I was like, oh my goodness, like this is a reality not only for you, but so many other women all over the world experience this every single day. And so the hardest part I know about being violated is you're so afraid to tell anyone. Will they believe you? Like you said, will they believe me? Will they think I'm just making this up or that it was consensual? Why didn't you tell anyone what happened afterwards? I wasn't true denial. All I wanted to do was erase it. And I knew he wouldn't want to tell. It would cost him a lot. I didn't want to tell anybody. I just want to erase it completely. I wanted as if it never happened. I compressed it inside. And unfortunately, with that, it torments you. Not talking to people, not doing anything about it torments you. And it does resurface at one point or another. My God. I mean, you already felt so alone. Now this happens. And now you're probably like, okay, great. This is something now that I got to just deal with and live with. I know you said that you later, maybe a little bit later, you might have confided in one or two people. I believe you had said to me that the reason that people don't share also is because of the shame, the shame around it. Did you ever ask yourself like, oh my God, did I give off vibes, right? Like if I wanted this, because, you know, women will blame themselves or men or other people will say, ah, well, mira, look at how she was dressed. Exactly. You know, oh, look at how she was acting. Look at how she was talking. Like that does not give anyone the right to take advantage of somebody and to violate them. Correct. Correct. And so did you feel like you did something wrong? I did. I felt like... I shouldn't have drank. I shouldn't have dressed that way. I shouldn't have gone out dancing. I felt completely, completely like it was my fault. And I felt so ashamed, so ashamed. And the truth about it, just like you said, nobody has the right to take advantage of you at any point. It still takes me a long time to remind myself that this was not my fault. Absolutely. Yeah. And you have to continue to tell yourself that every single day, because I'm sure that this is something that stays with you. I imagine those that have kids or have daughters that are listening that have been through something like this. I mean, their greatest fear is what if this happens to my daughter? Correct. You know, what if this happens to my son? Because even now, I mean, you know, young boys are being raped all the time. And now you live with that fear and you're trying to protect your kid. You don't want him around anybody. Um, and unfortunately, even family these days, like you can't even trust family because you just don't know who you can trust and if your child is safe. And so I know that you had said that you had continued to party and just, again, you were continuing to mask all the pain that you had been dealing with for so long by going out, by drinking, by partying. But then something happened and you finally made the decision to seek help and find healing. Tell me a little bit about that story. So I continued to deny everything. I acted like nothing happened. I continued my ways and I was boiling inside with all these emotions, with all these feelings. And finally, I was diagnosed with trigeminal neuralgia, which is severe facial pain. It was like a toothache. 
like a root canal that needed to get done. And we couldn't figure out how to stop the pain, but it's a nerve pain. A nerve pain is treated differently. Finally, we got an MRI and they told me, oh, you got to try Gemino Neuralgia. It's called the suicide pain because a lot of people, it's very hard to control nerve pain. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people can't deal with it. And then they're like, you have a brain aneurysm. Brain aneurysm can pop with high blood pressure and then stress provokes trigeminal neuralgia. Mm. So I was a ticking time bomb. At the age of 30, I had to worry about dying. And the worst about that was my son. He only has me. And what have I been doing this whole time? Just going down this dark, dark road. And what was I setting myself up for? My son, I was just giving him up for the devil to do as he pleases in his life. Imagine if I would die. What trauma would that cause him? Right. What anger would he go through? And I realized I'm done. I'm done. I looked for God because I knew that was the only way I can get out of this shame, out of the hurt, out of the anger. It, it was only through God. I know you had an encounter with God. You went to church one day and you went to the altar for an altar call. What happened at that altar call? Oh, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. Let me tell you, I would occasionally go to church. I was so hardened. My heart was so hard. Finally, I did an altar call. I went up to the front and, you know, I was praying and a sister from the choir came down and she walked up to me and she said, the Lord sees you. He loves you. He will never leave you alone. You are so precious to him. Mm. How did she know this? Mm. When I was a little girl, my prayer, I was like, I don't know, eight or nine years old. I asked God to hold on to me and to never let me go. So when she said that to me, that was God. Mm-hmm. That was God telling me, I remember you. I'm not, I have not forgotten about you. I'm looking at you. I love you. And that was the first time I cried. I cried so hard. That was the first time I cried in the longest that I can remember, not even my dad's funeral. That's how hard my heart was. And I knew from that moment on, God was with me. And from then on, I would go to church every Sunday and I was listening. I mean, I didn't even have to go to the front for God to touch my heart. Pastor was preaching and he would say something that would remind me of God's promises. Mm -hmm. And man, I was like a baby. (laughs) (laughs) I was like a baby. Just God was just flowing and flowing and and just, you know, really melting my heart away. And you know what? I love it. How did I forget about his amazing love? I felt my heart again. I felt it beating, beating Mm -hmm. for Christ, beating for life. It wasn't a change overnight. No, it was very hard. Am I done changing? No. Am I done growing? No. There's things that still resurface. As you can see, I'm crying. (laughs) It's okay. This is part of the healing. Exactly. We're just a never-ending project. So we're in Jesus' arms. We're always changing, always developing. But man, God brings joy. He puts joy in our hearts. He loves us. And that, wow, that showed me I have freedom. I have freedom in Jesus. Mm. I can get up from any obstacle. He picks me up. He carries me sometimes. Man, and that's something amazing to have. That's something I didn't have in all that time, in my torment, in my shame, in my anger. And now I'm free. 
Madeline. I'm free from that. Amen. You know, there's always gaps or things that are missing in our lives. And if we would just remember, there's a song that says, um, all I need is you, Lord. Oh, yes. Is you, Lord. All I need is you. All I need is you. That song touched me one day when I felt like you did, alone, broken, like I had no one. And I went to church, and that day the Lord said to me, you keep seeking and searching for people, for things, when you have me right here. Amen. You know, I'm your healer. I'm your protector. I'm your counselor. I'm everything. And let me tell you, I came home from church that day. I was a wreck. And I got on my knees and I just sang that song with everything that I had over and over. And from that moment, I never, ever questioned God again. And when I felt alone, I have remembered that song. And I remind myself that God is with me and that I'm not alone. And what you said is so true. When you can't walk, when you can't go on, he picks you up and he carries you. And when you look back, you know that it wasn't Wendy or it wasn't Madeline, right? That was God. Because in our strength, girl, let me tell you, we can't accomplish anything. But with God, man, we could do anything. And we are, we're a work in progress. We're not perfect. We still make mistakes even today and tomorrow and in a few weeks, you know, but God's forgiveness, his covering, his encouragement, man, I can't imagine doing life and going through these difficult things without God because we're stronger because we have him. Exactly. I love that you shared that he healed you from the damage of a sinner. And today you're his daughter and that you are loved and protected. And that's what I want other women or men to remember, you know, that we just got to seek him and that we could bypass all this crazy stuff, right? (laughs) We don't have to wait until we're like literally broken under a rock. You know, like, why do we do that to ourselves? I don't get it. It's like, come on, you know, guys, there's another way. And so, Wendy, tell me, what was your motivation to push you through almost your whole life through all of this adversity? I think once I felt God call me, there was no other way. The shame, the shame is what pushes us away from him. We know we're sinners. The devil tries to taunt you with that, you know, keep you away from God. Oh no, you're a sinner. You're not good Mm -hmm. enough. You're never going to straighten your ways. And when I felt he saw me that day, he saw me in the middle of thousands, let's just say. Right. Yeah. (laughs) He saw his daughter. I just knew there was no other way. And I really wanted to make a better life for my son. First of all, I'm not ready to die. I'm not (laughs) ready to die. Good. Okay. (laughs) And I don't want my son to go through anything without God either. Like my son already missed out on so much of God. Mm -hmm. We need to be here. We need to be covered under his wing. And let me tell you, I feel so protected and I don't need to go out to people to feel that protection. I no longer need to fill that void. I am protected in Jesus. My son 
is protected in Jesus. My son has a father in Christ. He has a father that looks out for him, even when I can't look out for him. That's right. There's no other place I'd rather be than with him. And that's really what made me realize we're going to get through this. We're going to go forward and we're going to help others go through similar things or different things. We're going to be there letting people know Jesus is here. Right. Jesus can help you and you can move forward. That's amazing. Being the support to those that were like you and your son that didn't have the support, that didn't have a father, that didn't have the love, and that now you in turn want to do the same thing. I love that. And so looking back, Wendy, is there anything that you would have done differently on this journey? I think first and foremost, when I was a little girl and I was really into God, I let peer pressure and other kids that were bullying me stray me away from God because they would call me goody goody two shoes and they would be like, oh, you're making us look bad because you're so godly, you know? Mm-hmm. I wish I never paid attention to them and I kept walking the right path with God. For it says in Matthew eighteen six, if anyone causes one of these little ones to stumble, those who believe in me, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Nothing and no person is worth stepping away from God ever. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, God has the final say. God has That's the final right. say from anyone that really strays us from him. And I just wish at that point I knew that. The second thing is I would have reported to the police my offender. And and I wish with all my heart I can go back and do that because not only I would have began healing from then instead of keeping it all inside, but it can also prevent somebody else from getting hurt the same way by that same offender. That's right. But I, I wish I would have said something then. Well, I'm hoping that if there's someone that's listening, that's a young person that went through this or even an older person and you went through this, I pray that they find comfort in knowing that they're not alone and that there are other people out there affected and impacted by this. But it's okay to seek help. It's okay to tell someone as scary as it is. I mean, I think you have to be in that situation and where you're so broken like that. I mean, I think the last thing that you want to do is put yourself through more pain and more torture, but I pray that God will give you strength and that if he gives you discernment that you will tell someone so that hopefully this will not happen to somebody else in the future. And so I know that this is a story that you kept to yourself for a really long time. And again, for all really good reasons, again, not wanting to make things worse between your family and trying to move forward in spite of this. You know, why did you think that it was important to share your story today? Because I think too many people stay in that torment, in that alone place. And I'm telling you today, you have freedom in Christ. Madeline, you don't understand. I couldn't shake that shame and that guilt off of me, but it is not your fault. You didn't say yes. You didn't consent. It is not your fault. They should have never touched you, but let's, let's move forward and let's heal. And the only way to heal is through Jesus. Amen. If there is someone out there right now, Wendy, that's listening to your story and that says, Hey, I went through that. That happened to me. 
I was drunk one day or I was out with someone that I thought was a friend when I was in college, which happens all the time. What would you say to someone that experienced exactly the same thing that you did back then? I got to tell you, don't listen to the devil. Don't let him shame you. It was not your fault. I can never stop repeating that. And you can move forward. You know, all you have to do is get on your knees and pray. It doesn't even have to be a big show. You don't have to go to church. No, you know what? Just get on your knees and start praying and start just giving it to God. Say, God, I need you. I need you. This is what happened to me. This is how I feel. Just talk to God in your room and in your privacy. And trust me, God starts working in your heart and he frees you from this. They had no reason to do that to you, but you're not alone and you have nothing you need to prove to anybody. That's right. Amen. So I wanted you to tell people after everything that you went through and all of that adversity that you faced, you know, what does life look like now for Wendy? What are you doing today? Well, today I have an amazing job. It's been my dream job at Lurie Children's Hospital, but God has put something even bigger in my heart. He has given me the desire to help many, many broken families that have gone through similar experiences as I have. Madeline, as you know, I have other experiences and traumas that mm-hmm. I have been able to overcome through Christ. And a lot of people don't realize how easy it can be. And they just need somebody to be there and tell them the truth. So I'm actually going to be a foster parent with DCFS families. We're working with SOS Village to keep siblings together. Hmm. So I will have about six kids in my household. (laughs) Wow. From ages zero to 18. No pick and choose is, you know, what I get is what I get. And I want to spread the love of Christ. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, you know, that's good for the kids, but it's not just about their kids. God is not a God of broken families. I'm going to be working directly with the parents because unfortunately, these are cycles and strongholds that need to end. Sometimes the parents have already been damaged and they're just continuing the same cycle that they were in as children. So I am hoping God will use me in a very special way to touch these kids' hearts, uh, the families, the parents. Sometimes people think fostering is about keeping the kids. Nope. My house will be an open house Mm. to whoever will need it. Amazing. I love that you want to give back in such a powerful way and meet a need that's so important to so many kids and families out there that are experiencing difficulties. And so if there was someone out there that wanted to connect with you, Wendy, and just say, hey, I loved your story, or I'd love for you to walk on this journey with me, you know, how can they connect with you? Yeah, most definitely. In reality, I only have an email right now. Who knows in the future (laughs) what God will do? But my email is M as in Mary, S as in Sam, period, W, period, A as in Apple, N as in Nancy, L-E-U at gmail.com. And I'm more than happy to speak to anybody. If anybody needs to vent, I'm here for you. Amen. Well, Wendy, I want to thank you. Thank you for being on the Courageous Podcast today. I know this was a difficult process, you know, as we were dissecting and putting all of these pieces together before today, but I'm so glad that you had the courage to just share and that you finally have found healing and restoration through everything that you've been through. And it just shows that we are strong enough to overcome the obstacles in our lives. We just have to be willing and able 
able to put our trust in God and we got to do the hard work, right, in order to get to where we're going and where God is calling us. And so I just want to pray blessings over your life, over your son. I pray that God will continue to open the doors for you. And as you go on this new chapter to help these foster families and kids, that God will just continue to use you to give them hope to show them love and to walk the walk and on the journey with them so that they do not feel the way that you felt when you were growing up. I know that God is going to do some amazing things in you and I can't wait to hear and hopefully see pictures of all the amazing kids that you are working with and just hear what God is doing in your life. Amen. Thank you, Madeline. This has been an experience most definitely. It's been a blessing and I hope it blesses many, many, many others. Amen. Hey, if God is in control and he's at the helm, he can do all things. Thanks so much, Wendy. God bless you. Hey, Courageous Community. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope you were encouraged today. If you have a courageous story or want to connect with today's guest, email us at courageouspodcast2020 at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Courageous Podcast. Until next time, Continue to be strong and courageous.